0: Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. Serving the community for over 75 years, Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, committed to reducing hospital-acquired infections and readmission rates. More information on Pinnacle Health's achievements in patient safety can be found at pinnaclehealth.org. quality
1: Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. In Pennsylvania, state legislators redraw the boundaries of congressional districts every 10 years after the results of the U.S. Census are in. The leaders of the majority party basically have the final say on where those lines are. Republicans held a majority five years ago when Pennsylvania's congressional districts were devised. In a state where there are a million more registered Democrats than Republicans, Pennsylvania has 13 congressional seats held by Republicans, five by Democrats. It's called gerrymandering, and it isn't unique to one party or the other either. There are several states where Democrats hold the majority, and not surprisingly, there are more districts held by Democrats. Maryland is an example. Their districts have gone to court several times. Some say this is one of the reasons for congressional inaction and the heightened sense of partisanship in Washington. More individuals and organizations are pushing for changes in how redistricting is done, including here in Pennsylvania. Joining us today the, from the group Fair Districts Pennsylvania is Carol Cunningholm, who is a director of Fair Districts PA. Diana Key and Jim Foster, volunteers with Fair Districts, welcome to the program. Thanks. If you have a question or comment about this issue, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at org. All right, uh, Carol, let me start with you. Uh, How did your organization get its start? I mean, you're relatively new, although there are fair districts in other states as well, I understand.
2: That's right. There are fair districts in other states. We started a year ago in January of 2016. I am on the board of the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania, and I became responsible for election reform uh, about two years ago. And in that capacity, began to look at what is the most important election reform we need in Pennsylvania, and it became pretty clear that redistricting reform was the top of the list. I began talking with others involved in that, including Barry Kaufman of Common Cause Pennsylvania, and together last January we launched the coalition, Fair Districts PA, with people like David Thornburg from Committee of Seventy. Who's going um, to join
1: us in a few minutes, by the way. uh,
2: The advocacy chair of Pennsylvania Council of Churches, um, Pennsylvania's for Fair Elections. So quite a few good government groups across, across Pennsylvania met last January to come up with guiding principles and to launch the group. Now,
1: when you say that, it became quite clear very early on that this was the most important election reform. I mean uh, since last November's election there are a lot of election reforms that have been proposed and even before that there were many times League of Women Voters Common Cause talked about uh, you know, ways that you could register. I mean we have made some changes in Pennsylvania but things have been slow here in this state. Why do you say that it became clear that this is the most important election reform?
2: Well many people say you can't change anything until you change this. That um because legislators are able to draw their own districts they're able to ensure their own incumbency they don't need to listen to the voters on anything and so the issues that voters care about um, are not going to be addressed until gerrymandering is addressed and so there are many other election reforms that people would like to see those aren't going to happen until we can until we can allow voters to choose their politicians rather than let the politicians choose the voters.
1: How do you define gerrymandering? And I ask that question because when you say a dis- that a state has uh, its districts gerrymandering, it's almost an accusation. It's almost like, up ah, that's gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is not, it's one of those things like, okay, you rigged the system, but how do you define it?
2: Well, gerrymandering by definition is manipulation of district maps for partisan gain. And there, that's been an issue the Supreme Court has looked at is how do you define it? Is, it? is it judicable? Can you put standards on it? And there are lots of people putting mathematical standards onto it. So by one of those, Stephanopoulos and McGee uh, came up with something called the efficiency gap gerrymandering standard. By that standard, Pennsylvania's congressional districts are the worst in the nation, there's another group called the Electoral Integrity Project. They have done work on how do you um, how do you rank the way that district maps are drawn. By their standards, Pennsylvania is the third from the worst in the country. So there are there are there's a growing movement to find mathematical ways to to uh, measure this, and by those measurements, we are among the worst in the country.
1: Uh, Jim Foster, y- you showed me uh, a- an example, and this was actually something from The Washington Post, and I think there were some other uh, publications that pointed it out as well. Uh, some of the worst gerrymandered district districts in the country. Pennsylvania's uh, 7th district. Tell me about uh, Pennsylvania's 7th district.
3: Pennsylvania's 7th district is in uh, Philadelphia suburbs and if you get on the the website uh, fairdistricts.com fairdistrictspennsylvania.com uh, you can see what's evolved over time it's gone from a contiguous relatively kind of circular District 2-1 that, that looks like a cartoon figure, and it's kind of affectionately known as Goofy Kicking Donald. And if you kind of look at it and squint your eyes a little bit, you can actually see those cartoon characters. And it clearly was done uh, in an attempt to maximize uh, the, uh, the, the legislators of a particular party. Uh, one of the things that carol said and 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 you mentioned that that's important is that we are a nonpartisan group there has been gerrymandering in pennsylvania the most recent gerrymandering has favored republicans but in states like maryland and connecticut it's favored democrats we're against all gerrymandering We think, as Carol said, that legislators ought to be able to uh, choose—shouldn't be able to choose their voters. Voters ought to be able to choose their legislators, and and that's not the situation that we have now.
1: Diana, you also said to me—not you personally, but the three of you— uh, said to me before the program i asked whether uh, governor wolf has come out in support or opposition to uh, you know making some changes and uh, you, you said that the, you really you really uh, don't want to know because in this partisan atmosphere we have that if the governor says he supports something or he opposes it the other party will say well then we support it or oppose it going to in this case republicans what the, the Democrats want
4: yeah that, that <clears throat> that's unfortunate when Um, uh, somebody says this is just Democrats complaining, because it really isn't. Uh, uh, People of um, both um, major parties as well as a growing number of people who are unaffiliated with either major party are concerned about gerrymandering. And um, uh, gerrymandering is really becoming a household word. People are waking up to the fact that Um, As Carol was explaining, uh, because we have uh, politicians drawing district boundaries for partisan reasons, that is uh, the major reason why voters are not given a choice of candidates in primary elections, and why in general elections, uh, you don't have a contest uh, between the two major parties. There's a growing number of uncontested elections. And also, um, there was a a recent Franklin and Marshall poll of uh, voter satisfaction with their Pennsylvania government. And um, a a large majority of uh, people, um, I don't know if Carol or Jim can remember that percentage, um, are are dissatisfied with our government in Harrisburg, yet uh, the voters are powerless to uh, elect new people to those um, legislative positions uh, in Harrisburg.
1: But what do you say, okay, when you say they're powerless, not really. I mean, if there are uh, opposing candidates, But the the bottom line is here in Pennsylvania, for example, uh, there are very few competitive races. And when I say competitive, I mean that probably 50 percent of the congressional districts and maybe even on the the state legislative side uh, where one candidate runs. Now, does that have to do with uh, gerrymandering or is that just because incumbents have a real advantage
2: it has a great deal to do with gerrymandering. So, if the districts are drawn to provide a safe district for one party, um, the other party doesn't even bother to field a, a candidate. Um, it, the, the uphill climb to win is is it, it's not it's not even doable. So, we had forty eight point six percent of our general election races in this last election did not have a. An opponent from the other party. That's half. Half of our races did not have an opponent from the other party, which means the only election in those districts is in the primary, and 86% of our primary races did not have an opponent. Um, and what that also means, too, is that people who are not in the majority in that district really have no vo- vote at all. So I'm an independent in a gerrymandered Republican district all of our races are decided in the primary, and in many of them there's no, uh, there's no contest in the primary either, but if you don't vote in the primary, you don't have a vote.
3: And Scott, uh, I think we need to get past the the idea of, you know, is this sort of uh, Democrats having uh, crying over spilt milk or sour grapes? or It's not just the f- how many Republicans versus how many Democrats. It's the kind of legislators that tend to be elected in our current gerrymandered system. What you tend to get is you tend to get extreme right-wingers and extreme left-wingers. That's what gerrymandering gets you. And then think about the major problems that we have in this state. We need pension reform, uh, some people we think we need an extraction tax. Uh, there's there's other issues that that we ha- need to face. We have a huge structural, several-billion-dollar structural deficit. We need legislators who are willing to face those issues head-on. Well, in the current system, you've got extreme right-wingers and extreme left-wingers. Do you really think they're going to sit in a room and compromise about things? No, they're not, because there's no incentive. Because the incentive in a gerrymandered system is you if you're in a right-wing district, Uh, That's been gerrymandered that way. You have got to hew to the right wing line. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're going to get primary by somebody who's even more extreme to the right. We need legislators who are willing to to talk to each other, who are willing to come together and reach a compromise on issues like, say, pension reform.
1: So you're saying that uh, you feel that uh, gerrymandering is one of the main reasons that uh, we have this partisan divide that we have in this country
3: right uh, now. Yes, it's not the only reason, but it is one of the major reasons. And and again, the, uh, I, I keep coming back to the fact that this isn't Democrats versus Republicans. Think of eight, eight years ago when the president uh, was was elected and, and there was a... Uh, a a a, uh, a huge majority in the Senate and a significant majority in the in the House uh, for Democrats at the national level, you know Republicans were on the retreat. Well, you know it's 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 unlikely that things are going to remain the same in Pennsylvania forever. And and even to to my Republican friends, I would say, do you don't you want a system where where, where individual candidates have it shot? Uh, in in each district as opposed to a district that's basically been tailor-made to an extreme right-winger or tailor-made to an extreme left-winger.
1: I hope you don't mind me jumping around, but I follow your lead with uh, (laughs) our conversation. But, uh, you know, something, Jim, that you just said, though, about uh, gerrymandering contributing to the divide that we have, the partisanship that we have. Uh, Yes, Washington is divided. Harrisburg, maybe not to the same degree as Washington. But, and you can understand just by your explanation of how gerrymandering uh, can contribute to that, but the voters themselves are divided. How does gerrymandering, or does gerrymandering, play into that at all? Diana, I see you look very talkative.
4: Well, I, I I, um, I, I wanted to add something to what Jim said, um there uh, yes there are um very partisan legislators in Harrisburg however there are a large number of uh pro good government legislators on both sides of the aisle in Harrisburg and um uh, and, and and there are people uh, there are people in Harrisburg who do a great job of representing their constituents and um uh, keeping in touch with them and uh hoping to advance their uh, issues in Harrisburg, uh, but but so much legislation uh, gets introduced in Harrisburg, and it just doesn't go anywhere. It uh, g- it it goes into committees where it uh, it it uh, dies from neglect, and um and and this is because we do have um partisan um uh, forces controlling uh the the uh, leadership and the whole agenda of what happens in Harrisburg.
1: Uh, But but, but getting back to what my original question, though, about voters being divided, uh, not just legislators, I mean, isn't – and I'm playing devil's advocate with you here Mm – but uh, isn't that a symptom of partisanship in Washington, if there was partisanship, again, to a lesser degree in Harrisburg – when the voters are divided themselves, I mean, all you have to do is go on social media and you can see this great division. It doesn't seem like there's any – you don't hear from the people who are moderates anymore. It seems as though you hear from the extremes that you, just, that you described, Jim. I,
3: well, I, I would say that gerrymandering is not the only problem we have. We have, we have kind of a bunker mentality where people only uh, listen to and, and talk to those people who agree with them, and, and that is a problem. But if gerrymandering is a major problem, and if we're going to get to a situation where we actually solve some problems in Harrisburg or, or at the national level, we have to have legislators who... Are, are more receptive to compromise and, and more receptive to other points of view. And we have to fix the gerrymandering problem. It's not the only problem we have out there, and we'll have other uh, Smart Talk shows, I'm sure, that'll talk about those. But Probably this tomorrow. is a major problem that, <laughs> that needs to be uh, solved. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF,
1: your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar.
0: Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by the Pinnacle Health Cardiovascular Institute's team of cardiologists, surgeons, nurses, physicians assistants, and rehabilitation specialists, delivering a broad range of traditional and highly specialized procedures.
1: Welcome back to Smart Talk. We're talking about uh, redistricting congressional districts and uh, whether we should make some reforms there. One of our guests called it the most important uh, voter reform, election reform issue we have out there. And uh, we're talking with uh, Fair Districts, Pennsylvania. We're talking with uh, someone from the uh, Republicans in the state Senate in just a moment. Also, David Thornburg of the Committee of Seventy is coming up with us in just a few minutes as well. If you'd like to join in this conversation, give us a call. 800-729-7532 800 729 7532 Send an email to SmartTalk at WITF.org. You can go on WITF's Facebook page. We're also on Twitter at smarttalkwitf WITF. Again, that phone number is one 800 729 7532 And we did invite uh Republicans who were in the majority, uh, you know, to appear on the program. And we have uh, one of them right now. Who, who who's on the phone with me?
5: Hello, this is Drew Crompton, I'm counsel to the Senate Republicans in the State Senate of Pennsylvania.
1: Hey, Mr. Crompton, how are you?
5: You can call me Drew, but I'm doing fine.
1: Okay, good. You know, this is one of those issues that uh, when it is discussed out there, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to find people who, I can't say who will defend it, but a lot of times you know, what we'll hear is, okay, here's what's wrong with the proposed solutions. So how do you look at this issue? How do Senate Republicans look at this issue?
5: Well, I've been in the Senate for 24 years. I have uh, been on the ground with redistricting and reapportionment for two cycles. Uh, When I was a newbie 20 years ago, I I didn't have much involvement. The last cycle, I did have a fair amount of involvement. And I suspect in the upcoming redistricting, I'll have uh, a fair amount of involvement as well. Look, I, I think it's a system that works. I also understand that it has flaws. Um, I have never heard the word gerrymandering used so much as I did in the last ten minutes of listening to your previous conversation. Um, I, I think sometimes we use we overuse the word. Uh, we could talk about the competitive nature of several, if not many, of the races we had over the last cycle or the last two or three cycles and it's true i mean in senator scarnati's example i mean senator scarnati's district he represents eight counties it's a huge part of the northwest I've never seen his district or thought of his district as being gerry- gerrymandered. Mr.
2: Um, G- Mr. Crompton, I'd love to jump in here. Um, this sure. is Carol Cunningham. I was in District 7 until District 7 morphed into the very interesting phenomenon that it is now. Now I'm in District 6. And so there are areas that have large districts spreading across counties, but in an area like Montgomery County and Chester County that are highly populated, to have a district that wraps from Montgomery County through Delaware County, through Chester County, into Lancaster County and then up into Berks County. There's no reason for that. And if you look at that district with district six and sixteen, you can see something pretty pretty um, concerning going on there. You've divided urban I
5: understand that. And that's congressional and that's done in a way that's it's substantially different as you know from state redistricting Senate and representative districts. So you um, would
2: agree that that is gerrymandering?
5: Well, I would agree that that there is immense amount of flexibility on congressional reapportionment, um, and actually the parameters that are on the state level are much tighter. Than in congressional.
1: Well, so, I, well, Drew. Let me just say that yeah, I, we're mostly talking here, and I think fair districts is, is talking mostly about congressional. Um, not really. I mean, you're we're not. You're at, talking about state we're two. We're
2: certainly oh. looking at state two because if you look at state, you can see the same same thing. So, for instance, Berks County by numbers should have two. St- state senators instead they have four only one lives in the county so they lose representation Montgomery County is even more harmed by this um it's a very it's our third most populous district and most of their state senators they're they're drawing their voters from counties surrounding Montgomery County But
5: I don't know how you can say they lose representation
2: well, well if you just if you just by number of registered voters in those districts, number of Republican, number of Democratic, and then if you draw the lines carefully, you can pull Lancaster farmers in with with people in Reading, you can pull suburban Republicans in and totally diminish the voice of the urban Democrats. It's very it's it's obviously well done, well crafted, um, and Anybody who looks at the maps can see, look closely at the State House or State Senate maps, you can see very odd... Protrusions, and there's a story to each one of them. The people in those districts know what those stories are and are not happy about them.
1: Well, let me, Drew, let me just say that, uh, you know, and I I have to admit I was a little bit surprised that uh, you are as critical of the state legislative boundaries because the congressional boundaries are what get most of the attention, and election reform, it's usually when you're talking in partisanship in Washington, that's pointed to as one of the reasons. But, Drew, I want to get back to what you said. You think that the system is successful and works well. Well, How do you why do you say that?
5: Well, I mean, once again, we're, we're, we're merging two separate issues into one. I understand the themes override on both. But congressional is the way we reapportion congressional districts in Pennsylvania is through a bill. It starts in the House and the Senate. It gets concurrence in the House and the Senate. And it's got and it's signed by the governor like any other the policies that some of your speakers have already alluded to. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly open procedure in the sense of hearings and committee meetings and process. Now, people may want to take it out of the hands of elected officials, and we could talk about um, this idea that always gets circulated on we need to find independent people to make these decisions, but in congressional reapportionment, it is done like any other bill is done, and it has legislative and executive branch input. So it's a process the same way we would pass pensions, the same way we would pass education reform, is the same way we address congressional districts.
1: All right, but let me bring up a couple things here that i pointed out, uh, is that because I am pushing back on both both sides Is that, you know, as I pointed out in my introduction That uh, Pennsylvania has a million more Actually, it's 900,000 uh, More registered Democrats than Republicans But yet we have 13 Republican congressional districts 13 members of Congress who are Republican And five Democrats Now, the math just doesn't seem to work there
5: Well, I, I understand that perspective I also understand that in our urban centers, there's large concentrations of Democrats. And I also understand that congressional candidates in the Republican Party have won a lot of competitive seats. Um, same in the state Senate. Are we you familiar had many with- competitive seats in this cycle, and we were outnumbered in, in registration. We won a city of Erie seat that is almost 60-plus percent Democrat. So I I do think it's a little bit of whining on this issue in the sense that we're picking up seats, that the majority party is Democrats, and we being Republicans. Um, Look, I also said it's a system that works, but it also has its flaws. I will readily admit that. But I don't know if anyone has stumbled upon a system that that would take political influence out of it, even though people talk with, with... with glowing praise of someone else or some other state's system. I think political influence and political effect is always going to be part of how you draw the maps.
1: Hey, Carol, before you, because I know you want to say something, but this was a question that I had even before Drew brought it up. And that is that, okay, look at our last few presidential and gubernatorial elections. Democrats that have won this state... Uh, for the most part, have only carried like a dozen or so, if that, counties, and usually it's Philadelphia, where they're you know the largest city, the huge, huge uh, Democratic uh, registration uh, edge, uh, and maybe the Philly suburbs, Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, um, not as much in the Southwest and the Northeast as what it used to be. But the point is that with 67 counties, maybe there are 50, maybe there are 55, maybe there are 60 that are going Republican. And in this recent presidential election, we saw that, that same thing. Maybe, well, obviously Donald Trump won the state. So the point that Drew was making that the, the large population centers where Democrats have the uh, majority, Democrats are being voted in, in those areas. There is a big Republican voter voter uh, population out there as well
2: well if you look at the way lines are drawn you can you can do all sorts of things to leverage the influence of your numbers and so that's exactly what gerrymandering is it's finding ways to leverage the influence of your numbers over against the influence of the other numbers Karl Rove said in 2010 whoever controls the mapping process controls congress that was in the wall street journal um, and that's why we can't separate these two out there's a lot of outside money that comes into pennsylvania trying to flip state house and state senate races in order to control the legislative process in order to have a majority in our legislature in order to flip districts from red to from blue to red for congressional districts so it's a it's a process that's all con- combined And the influence then is targeted at the smaller races, the state House races or the state Senate races. And what we've seen is that there's a lot of super PAC money, money, hybrid super PAC money, coming into Pennsylvania to flip individual districts to take over control of the mapping process in a way that's harmful to the citizens of Pennsylvania whether they're Republican or Democrat. Drew, I'm gonna
1: let you go here in a minute. Uh, I'm gonna thank you very much for calling in, but one thing that we're going to talk about uh, that has been proposed, actually there's a Senate bill, bipartisan support by the way, Republican and Democratic sponsors, uh, that would appoint a committee that would come up with uh, the, the districts. Now you kind of alluded to this earlier But what are your thoughts on making a change here in Pennsylvania that the legislature would not handle it? There would be an independent committee that would. Well,
5: let me do two things. Let me address what the previous speaker just said quickly, and that is I I am not active in all our races. I I work in the Capitol, not outside. But obviously I have communications with people who are on the outside. I did not see one dollar. In any of our state state Senate races and we were competitive in at least 10 maybe 12 races this cycle one dollar from an outside organization outside of Pennsylvania yes I saw some money limited as it may be from inside Pennsylvania organizations but this notion that people are coming in with these super PACs and and spending money on Senate or house races um, to change redistricting, let me tell you, I've been around for a long time. I've never seen any of it. That being said, look, I think the bar on the Boscola bill or some other sim- similar bills is will these people truly be independent in light of who appoints them? No one is a blank slate when it comes to politics. Everyone has bends. everyone has preferences. So what you're doing is you're replacing legislators with so-called independent people that are going to make these decisions. May they draw a different map? Sure, they might draw a different map. But I will say this. I mean, 12 people in a room, every 12 people will draw a different map. But this notion that they would be truly independent just defies common sense for me because of who appoints them Mm -hmm. they know who appoints them if senator scarnati or senator costa or or house or senate leaders in the house or for that matter the governor makes appointments they are representative of the people that appoint them so they come with certain bents and certain philosophies.
3: Scott, can I can I just sure. uh, ask uh, Drew a question? First of all, first thing I want to say is I applaud you for coming on the air and dialoguing with us, and we want more of that, not less of that. And thanks, thanks for doing that. But l- I th- I think we need to get beyond the Republican versus Democrat issue here. The, the issue that I mentioned and Carol mentioned a while ago is uh, what we tend to have with the current gerrymandering system is you have a lot of Right-wing Republicans and some left-wing Democrats who are never going to compromise on things. And you know, I, I consider myself a fiscal conservative. I want the legislature to act on pension reform. And you know, it just seems like in the last ten years since the extreme gerrymandering has happened, they're totally dysfunctional, and they will not act on something that we have a crying need for, and that is pension reform. How can you do? It, it, is, it, it and and one one uh, response to what you were saying is there's no way we're going to totally eliminate politics, you know that's the nature of the game. What we're trying to do is develop a system that ends the the extremes of gerrymandering. But but how can you defend the current system when the legislature when everybody agrees that pension reform has to uh, happen and nobody. Can get it done. How how can you defend the current system?
1: Can I I um, hold on? Let 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 Drew. uh, I I will.
5: I will. I will agree with you more than I will disagree with you. I will agree with you that uh, today's political environment is 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 often susceptible to hard right and hard left individuals in who are running races. Some of that is because of the primary. Some of it is because of the district they think they represent. It's lots of reasons. And some of it is because those are the people that run. The problem is, once you come from the hard right or the hard left, you have to govern. And I think we're seeing that difficulty in Washington from the president, and we're seeing that difficulty in in state legislators' minds as well. Um, It's something that's frustrating. It's frustrating to my boss, it's frustrating to plenty of other people I work for, that there's this idea that we're bringing the hard right and the hard left, and now people, everybody defines compromise differently, but people are then required to compromise. And that makes it hard. That's absolutely true. I'm not sure the root of the evil is gerrymandering. But I understand the philosophies that are coming, and managing those individuals
1: is difficult. Carol has Look, one more question for you, Drew, ahead. and then I'll let you go. Carol, I just go wanted ahead. to
2: say, with regard to the, the bill as written, it's not that anybody would appoint somebody. It's that there would be pools of candidates, that were, some from the major party, for the largest party by voter registration, some from the next largest party by voter registration, some who are unaffiliated or third party so there would be a pool of candidates and then they would be randomly selected from those pools really computer algorithm to get a diversity from across the state so you're right if they were appointed and we've seen lots of bills where they would be appointed by party leaders and you're right you would not be minimizing the impact of party affiliation that way the idea is to have a mix of of people some who have no investment, none of them, to have any personal investment in how the lines are drawn. They're not attached in any way to to individual politicians, and they're representative of the population of the state. So you're taking, you'll never get politics completely out of the process, but you're minimizing the personal investment and you're minimizing the partisan motivation.
1: Hey, Drew Crompton is the chief of state and uh, counsel for uh, staff, I should say, and counsel for Senate Pro Tem, uh, uh, Senator uh, Joseph Scarnati. Uh, Drew, thank you very much for calling in today.
5: I appreciate the conversation.
1: Uh, We'll see you. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR news and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about gerrymandering, we're talking about redistricting, we're talking about congressional boundaries, and we got into a little bit of discussion of uh, state legislative boundaries as well. And our guest today, Carol Cunningholm, who is the director of Fair Districts PA, two volunteers, Diana Dackey and uh, Jim Foster, volunteers for Fair Districts. We're going to be joined in a moment uh, by David Thornburg, CEO of the Committee of Seventy. If you have a question or comment, be patient. We have some calls on the line. We'll get to you in just a few minutes. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. David Thornburg is the CEO of the Committee of Seventy, a campaign for better government. Mr. Thornburg, welcome to the program.
6: Thanks very much. Glad to be here. And
1: I'm, I'm glad that you were patient because I anticipated having you on just uh, about 15 minutes into our conversation. But uh, uh, then when we uh, heard from Drew Compton, I wanted to make sure that we heard uh, the majority point of view as well. So, sure, no worries. So Committee of Seventy, tell us a little bit about the Committee of Seventy.
6: So we're a longstanding, uh, nonpartisan civic leadership group uh, based in Philadelphia uh, that... Uh, you know, believes in the need for better government and a better political process. Uh, we have a board of directors of about fifty or sixty leading uh, men and women from the business and civic communities, and uh, we. Uh, this is an issue uh, I think of great interest and great concern to uh, uh, to our folks. Uh, so we're uh, pleased to be part of the coalition, of fair districts, and to join the conversation.
1: So, you know, earlier, Carol said that uh, it was identified as the number one election reform issue. You agree with that?
6: Well, I think this is gerrymandering, I would say, is, is, a, is a, an enormous uh, bug in the operating system of democracy. It, it really, uh, I think you can trace a lot of the partisan dysfunction that you were talking about to the way that we've come to uh, draw the the lines, uh, both congressional and the the state lines. One thing I'd like to remind people is, I mean, gerrymandering's been around for uh, hundreds of years. You know, there's a sense that to the the victor goes the spoils, uh, that uh, if your party wins, you get to divide up the district as you see fit. What's happened in the last couple decades is the amazing increase in the use of high-powered software uh, and And data that's available. so you you now can operate with literally like surgical precision uh, to put people in or put people out. and And I think that that uh, has caused this whole challenge to explode just in the last the last cycle. Uh, so,
1: What I was going to say is, you know, what's kind of ironic about that is that uh, there are many people out there who uh, have talked about using the technology, not the exact technology that uh, you describe, but using technology that we have the ability today to come up with districts that are more fair, that, uh, you know, are divided fairly because we do have this technology where we, we wouldn't have to count so much on human beings.
6: Well, yeah, although I think we do want to have the right kind of uh, human influence in this. One of the things that we've been talking about uh, at the Committee of Seventy is the possibility of putting together a a statewide competition for citizens uh, to equip them with uh, the software and the data that that they should have access to and and to give them a shot at drawing uh, districts. Uh, A number of states did this last time around, and it... Feels like a useful way of getting people engaged in a, in a hugely important uh, part of the democratic process so that's something we're working on.
1: David Thornburg is the CEO of the Committee of Seventy. Mr. Thornburg, thank you very much for being with us today. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, let's take some phone calls. Joel is in Audubon. Joel, you're on the air.
7: Hi, uh, my name's Joe Ferrero. I blog under the name Joe the Nerd. I put an article out that dovetails with what Mr. Thornberg was just saying, that instead of having a, uh, a committee of 11 people where 72% are reserved for uh, Democrats and Republicans, we do a, uh, a contest for mapping. There, um, Rebecca, or I'm sorry, Amanda Holt, uh, six years ago, wrote her own maps, and they were rejected by the state. Uh, she had no special qualifications except for the want to do it. Uh also 6 years ago there was an outfit that did a thing called uh com that did a contest uh to draw the uh the boundaries of the Philadelphia City Council seats and they gave a prize of 500 bucks to whoever did the best thing. Why don't we put this on steroids and just say look, why don't we create an office of cartographer where we use this the census data from the US census? and we use the mapping software there's open source mapping software available right now today and we draw maps and we uh... if you wanted to run for office you have to fill out a petition and get so many signatures on it we do the same thing for the maps if you uh... you draw a nice map uh, carol draws a nice map i draw a nice map i go out and i get five thousand signatures you get a thousand signatures whatever we put it into the primary process We vote on the maps, and at the end of the year, in November, we all vote on the maps, and then whoever wins, that's the map we use. Enough of, uh, there's no uh, must, no fuss, no committees, no excluding people because they're involved in the system. Actually, when you exclude people who are involved in the system, you're excluding the exact people who have interest in the system.
1: Hey, my only, okay, okay, I have a couple questions, but one of the main ones is, okay, people voting on the maps. Uh, I don't know, I'm just wondering, do people have enough, you know, when they look at a map, do they know enough, have enough information to vote on whether that's...
7: Senators, do we have enough information about our legislators? We We can't force information down somebody's throat, but we can allow the system to be open enough to allow someone to make a choice if they want that choice. If their vote wants to be an informed vote... That's up to them. If they don't want to make an informed vote, that's also up to them. We can't force that upon people.
2: All right.
1: Thank you very much for your call, Carol.
2: So just to respond to that, a couple things. One is um, the issue of voting on maps. That requires an ability to see those maps, which does require people to look at them. How do you put a map on a ballot? So it would be incredibly easy for both major parties to bring in money to promote their maps. Um, So so. That's an untested idea. It's an interesting idea, but we, when we look at it, we've we've talked with Joe before. We don't see any way to put maps on ballots without having a lot of outside influence. The other thing is he's misleading about the way the bill is written. The the Boscola um, Scavella bill.
1: What we're referring to is Senate Bill Twenty Two that does have uh, bipartisan uh, sponsorship.
2: Yeah, So so so. The, the um, so what Joe was saying is that bill is kind of embedding into the Constitution the idea that Democrats and Republicans are controlling the process. Instead, it's saying that members of each major party, that those parties would be represented, but also it's giving three seats at the table to people who currently have no seats at the table. So it's giving three seats at the table to people from minor parties or unaffiliated voters, and if one of those third parties became a major party, then they would have the four seats. So so it's misrepresenting the bill. It's also misrepresenting the way that unaffiliated or third-party voters would have a stake in the process that they don't currently have.
1: Diana, and you have a point that you made ahead of time that that Senate bill is not legislation.
4: Right. Um, they, uh, Joe, you have a very good idea for the for the what? But first we have to change the who. And in order to do that, we have to change the Pennsylvania Constitution because our Pennsylvania Constitution is currently giving the redistricting process for the Pennsylvania House and Senate districts to politicians. Um, and presently um, the districts uh, are, are drawn by a five member commission. You have the House and Senate, Uh, majority and minority leaders, and a fifth person who's a chair uh, that historically and we believe will continue to be selected by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And so you have um, uh, politicians in charge of the process. Uh, There is no public disclosure uh, element to that. So the Senate Bill 22 uh, will take sitting politicians out of the process. And as Drew was uh, saying earlier, um, you know, you, you can't remove politics. Um, every, you know, all of us here are we're registered somewhere. Uh, you know, some party or maybe we're independent. Um, you know, uh, everybody has some kind of political affiliation. But the um, the Senate Bill twenty two is proposing uh, that people who are sitting politicians or uh, you know currently engaged in Uh, uh, have a have a role with a political organization will not be among those eligible to be on this commission and furthermore there will be public disclosure uh, regarding these proposed maps and furthermore they will uh, not be um, picking you and me and putting us into a district based on our um, party affiliation and voting habits.
1: Let's take some more phone calls. Joel is in York. I understand that Joel you were a candidate for the legislature.
8: Uh, yes, I was a candidate in the 95th, okay. and when I look at the, the map for the 95th, it, was, it would probably be one that you would consider to not be gerrymandered, and yet the way the population density works out, it's almost impossible for a Republican to win in that district. The registration is 25% Republican, and through a lot of footwork and a lot of uh, day-to-day grinding, I managed to get 40 41%, so I consider that to be somewhat of a victory, my my point is that the definition of fair tends to get blurred by things like interests within a given geographic area or a municipality or something like that so when you start looking at how the the district is drawn up um, I think in the last go-round one borough switched from one of the districts into the 95th it encompasses all of the city of York and I think most people would say well you need to keep the cities together don't break them up if that's possible um, it, it encompasses all of Spring Garden Township, so that's an entire entity. All of West York Borough and one, one voting district in West Manchester Township. If you looked at it from the 20,000-foot level, you'd say, gee, there's nothing wrong with that one.
1: Mm. Okay, so your, your point is the point that... Is uh, not- uh, are, you are you there
8: yes yeah we're having trouble with the connection I'm, yeah, I'm on the landline I don't know what's going well, on Yeah, I
1: know I'm hearing in my uh, my own uh, voice echoing hey thank you very much for your call Joel I uh, want to try to get in, in a couple more if we can let's see Jeff is in Harrisburg Jeff you're on the air
8: yes sir uh, good morning everyone uh, I'd like to say today I want to talk about the casualties of of uh, gerrymandering. For instance, you all know Tim Holden, a great senator, a bipartisan senator, worked with both sides. Mm-hmm. I know personally the people that he helped, and and did such a fine job there. And they redistrict him, and he's gone. You know, and he's not helping nobody anymore. And it, it, I talked to him personally at the office. Uh, upsetting. I, I don't understand what what, and I'm I'm sure some good Republicans, you know, on that side, too, that that's happening, too. Uh, just because it's there for 200
1: years, let's make a difference. Thank, you, mean, thank you very much for your call.
2: I would like to just go back to one thing that Drew said, which is that people are not interested in this issue. We are seeing that people are incredibly interested in this issue. We had a meeting in Philly that we were expecting a couple hundred to come from. We had 800 people show up. I've spoken in other places where we've had standing room only. We had a a meeting in a library. We had to turn away almost half the people who came because there wasn't space. So this is a topic that really has risen to the top in terms of public interest. And I do want to make sure that we say that we are having meetings across the state. We actually have nine meetings between today, tomorrow, and Thursday across the state. We have a meeting in Harrisburg next Monday night at Market Square Presbyterian Church at 7.30. Um, we're, we're working hard to educate people, but what we're finding is people showing up and saying, oh, we understand the harm of this already. We want to understand how to fix it. And that's a, an issue that there's a, quite a lot of public interest about right you now. Yeah
1: I used to say, and I, this was half-jokingly, that this was an issue that uh, you know Joe said earlier about he you know, blogs under Joe the Nerd that political junkies were really into that you talk to an average person on the street about it, and their eyes would glaze over but I am just detecting that and, uh, you know, observing that from what I'm hearing from our audience very often when we talk about partisanship and the great political divide that a lot of people point to this as one of the reasons. I want to get in. We only have about five minutes left, and we're trying to get in as much as I can. But we have a couple emails along these lines. Valerie Lancaster says, I'm only hearing discussions of Republicans and Democrats having the decision making power in these potential changes. As in the primaries, when will independence be given a voice?" They're not just registered Republicans and Democrats in Pennsylvania, but a large number of independents as well, and it's time they're given the weight they deserve. And Timothy in Elizabethtown had kind of the, 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 the same uh, thing, um, saying that, uh, uh, you know, he's saying, why should the two parties receive eight seats on the commission? This ensures a majority vote against the remaining three independencies. I'm concerned this wounds institute a two-party system by a constitutional amendment. Speaking of constitution, Nathan in Harrisburg points out the Pennsylvania Constitution, Article 2, Section 16, says districts shall be compact and contiguous territory. Contiguousness is easy to check, but what about compactness? Has that phrase ever been tested in court? So there are a few issues to address there. First of all, independence and Quite frankly, I think it was Valerie who said it, uh, People, there are a growing number of voters who are registering independent because they are not satisfied uh, being a registered Democrat or Republican.
2: So nationally, the last time I looked, 42% of registered voters nationally are registered as independent, which is incredible, more than either of the major parties. In Pennsylvania, that number is much lower, because we have closed primaries. So one way to give independents a voice at the table would be to open our primaries, but the legislation that we're talking about, the, the bill, Senate Bill 22, that we are very interested in, it would give independent and unaffiliated three seats at the table, and the way that the bill is written is to get a map pass to to affirm a map, you would have to have at least one vote from each of those groups, and you'd have to have a supermajority of seven. So you would have to, in some way, collaborate and compromise with the third party or independents. And really, you would be taking out any information about party vote so that you would be motivated and have the ability to come up with something that gave a a stronger voice to the independent. And I have to say, I'm an unaffiliated voter myself. When I talk about gerrymandering, a lot of the grids you see talk about red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican. What I like to do is draw a, a grid that shows how that formula squeezes out the voice in the middle which is often the unaffiliated voter
1: what color is the independent voter by the way you can come up with one right here on this <laughs> purple purple okay <laughs> mine all are right. purple okay all right so let's uh, take one more call mike in lewisburg mike was a candidate for congress as well mike how are you
9: Good morning. I'm I'm well.
1: I only have about a minute left, Mike.
9: Okay, I'll make it quick. Uh, I think in, in this discussion, it's important to have uh, input from a former candidate because a, a former candidate really experiences the the reality of this. And I ran in the 10th congressional district that is made up of 15 counties. To drive from one end of the ca- uh, one end of the district to the other end is about four hours and over 200 miles. So what this Uh, this uh, extreme uh, redistricting has done it has diluted the representation increased the cost Hmm. to run and one of the points an extremely important point that has not been mentioned is this is why people do not want to run This is why the most common name on the ballot is Mm. no candidate filed. It's Mm. extremely challenging, expensive, and uh, uh, just very difficult. Uh, From the time the challenger starts, he or she is at a disadvantage. So the the point is we have to level the playing field.
3: All right, Mike, thank you very much for your call. Scott, uh, can I just say that uh, this gentleman is illustrative of what we've been talking about. We need people who are moderates who are willing to compromise, and the current gerrymandered system just uh, uh, makes it futile for, for those sorts of people. The one thing, uh, other thing I wanted to say before, uh, while we still have time is we are planning an event, as was mentioned before, February 28th, 7.30 p.m. at Market Square Presbyterian Church in downtown Harrisburg. Parking is free uh, after 7 o'clock. And we encourage everyone to show up. We've had huge turnouts at other uh, venues, and we think we'll have a big turnout here in Harrisburg.
1: And this is an issue that I, I, I agree that uh, we're going to hear much more about because it does seem that the public—it is yeah. something that the public is uh, actually—it's just one of several election reform issues that the public has jumped on. I want to thank all three of you, Fair Districts, PA, for being with us today. Thank you. And we'll thank our other guest, uh, David Thornburg and Drew Crompton, uh, for joining us as well. Coming up on uh, tomorrow. Program. We're we'll going to be talking about civil conversation with 1A host Joshua Johnson.
0: Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support for this program comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a valuable and trusted resource for the communities we serve. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, committed to research that improves health, reduces recovery times, and brings new treatments and therapies to our area before they are available elsewhere. More information is at PinnacleHealth.org.